Welcome to Radical Being. In today's show, I'm talking about radical simplicity. That's almost a heretical concept in today's busy, modern, distracted world that's usually about more, 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 doing more, doing too much, more stuff, more information, more obligation. We keep adding more to our plates. But why? There are multiple reasons, and I talk about several of them in today's show. I like to offer paradigm-shifting possibilities, as I call them. What if? What if you can rewrite your entire reality simply by shifting your dominant paradigm? Here's one of those possibilities in today's show. What if doing less radical simplicity is actually a key to a greater sense of well-being? an increased sense of nourishment and vitality and the ability to thrive. Our modern life tends to get very complicated and yet really life is quite simple. There's just this, just this moment and how you choose to show up to it and respond. What might radical simplicity look like? Let's dive in. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Radical Being with River Fair. C'est moi. As we spiral into December, at least as this episode initially drops, it seemed possibly an appropriate time to talk about simplicity and radical simplicity, which is generally pretty opposite of most people's experience of the holidays, which tends to be one of excess. And I'm not talking about the holidays per se in this show, but an appropriate time. Radical simplicity. Hmm. Holidays or not, we live in a very busy, modern, distracted world where really almost everybody is doing too much or trying to do too much. And for a variety of, of different reasons that I'll circle back to in a moment, I, and I would say that much of that doing depletes rather than nourishes. If you've listened to previous shows, you know that nourishment has been really a hallmark and theme of my coaching for years. And if I've sprinkled that through earlier shows, what nourishes? I'll come back to that hopefully later in the show, but our often frenetic busyness, the doing, adding more, it's a world of more, 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 more things to do, more distractions, more stuff, more information. We're saturated with information and yet continually on the device to get more information, to seemingly be more connected. More, more, more. And yet, in my view, you've heard me say, likely, if you've tuned into early shows, most everyone is stuck and most everyone is really unhappy. I'll find my way maybe to 
discussing happiness and versus contentment in today's show too. So more, more, more isn't bringing us happiness. And I, as a coach, absolutely offer that it's mostly depleting us. So why do we keep adding more? Well, on one level, there are myriad reasons. On one level, we're being sold that the myth that more brings happiness, more this, more that, more that. But there are all those sort of often under the radar, sometimes subconscious, unconscious reasons why we keep adding more onto our already full plate. Sometimes that might be sort of sense of keeping up, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, colleagues are doing that much, doing this. Appearances come along with that. Not just keeping up with other people, but keeping up our appearances. A sense of obligation, often I have touched in earlier shows, the dreaded shoulds, thou shalt, particularly with maybe family or partners or children, the shoulds. But as I have said in earlier shows and coaching and whatnot, whatnot, those almost always hook into that inauthentic provisional self. I'm not going to go there in today's show other than to say there's there's a reason we really get hooked into that shoulds. Well, I should do this. Sometimes people also, just in terms of the reasons why we keep adding more to our plate, many people are not comfortable or sometimes even <laughs> unable to say no. The shoulds, well, how that maybe how that would reflect on them or just obligation or whatnot. I've got a lot to say about no versus yes. Two sides of the same coin. And I think and there are dozens of reasons why we keep adding more. But for some people, there's a sense of looking to fill an, a sense of emptiness or looking for an elusive sense of wholeness. I don't feel whole. I feel broken. I'm stuck. And so more, whatever that is, stuff, information, connection, doing somehow seems to at least temporarily fill that or bestow that sense of wholeness. And yet, as a radical integrity coach, and I have mentioned in numerous shows, honest self-assessment is really an essential tool. That might be one of the first paradigm shifts right there in today's show. I like to offer these paradigm shifting possibilities. What if, and it, it wasn't necessarily about self-assessment, but what if all that we're doing, what if more is strangely depleting us? We've likely all heard the sort of Eastern based maxim, less is more. Well, on a certain level, in terms of at least radical simplicity, I would offer that actually it is. Maybe more about that later on. I'm racking up all these things. Hopefully I'll find my way to at the end of today's show or someplace along the journey. I said that much of what we're doing in this busy, 
sort of frenetic, distracted, distractionville um, depletes. Very few people have to, to, to keep that up going for any like length of time or you need a certain vitality, I would say. And yet that's something that most people actually lack. Our world is increasingly profoundly unhealthy. I know very few people who have a true sense of vitality. Actually, the word that I use mostly in my eight week coaching is resiliency. What does it mean to be resilient? I say resilience. Resilience is at least partly an adaptability. And if we have any hope of being able to thrive, two things about thrive, we have to have some sense of vitality. We have to have some sense of resilience, a felt sense of that. Thrive. If there's an objective to life, there is or there isn't, back to your belief matrix, but I would say, and we can just take purpose out of it, that because that's a whole nother belief matrix and I've touched on that in earlier shows, but just possibly, it might be a paradigm shift right there. If there's an objective of life, it's to thrive, to have the wherewithal to do whatever you wish to do as long as you can do it. And yet, back to happiness or vitality, I know almost no one who is thriving. And multiple reasons for that from, I've said in earlier shows repeatedly, repeatedly, sort of one of my taglines almost, it's very difficult to have any sense of well-being in your life if you don't also have a physical sense of wellness. And that's really one of the core tenets of my eight week coaching and the work I've done for a very long time, that wellness and radical being your integrity, these are two sides of the same coin. And so the sense of a felt sense of wellness, I would say is really fundamental to what it, what does it mean to thrive really? And let's say about happiness and contentment later on. But I would definitely put forth that thriving is not a byproduct of our over frenetic overdoing and more, more, more. What if less is more? What if radical simplicity, or even just simplifying a little bit, let alone radical simplicity. What if that's actually the key to being able to thrive? Paradigm shift right there. Less is more as a key that might unlock this doing less to simplify, to actually have a greater sense of wellness resilience, vitality, thriving. What if? In the, it's the first masterclass, the way my eight week coaching works is there's all these recorded masterclasses that client watches and then we have our individual sessions or, or, or if it's a group, it's a group session, but 
in the very first masterclass, towards the end of that, I offer basically just a theoretical question, several things. Here's some things to think about for the next week before we, we have our coaching time. And one of those questions that I toss out having, and this is coming at the end of the masterclass and all, all the things that I've already talked about in that, what might radical simplicity look like for you? And it's, it's always interesting to me to hear people's responses to that. Wow, radical simplicity, what would that look like? And there's two, I think, sort of subset questions to that that go along with that. What might radical simplicity look like for you? And what gets in the way? That's gonna unlock its whole set of insights. And sort of a sister question with that is where, because I've been talking about radical integrity in that masterclass, the where and how do you compromise your integrity in, in this light of what gets in the way of simplicity? Can very interesting people's responses, and often those are the shoulds and the obligations, and, and there isn't any there isn't any right or wrong answer to this. There's not a right or wrong anything, but this is just as looking through the lens of hmm, self-assessment and self-awareness, what might radical simplicity look like? And what am I doing essentially that, that gets in the way of that? And what, what is behind my getting in, the, getting in my own way? We're all getting in our own way until we A, figure out that that's what we're doing and maybe what's behind that. You know, there's always the proverbial layers of the onion. Okay, I see my behavior there. Hmm, okay. But what's actually driving that? What's underneath that? Why, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep making my life full of chaos and craziness? What's the payoff? I have long said with people, we never shift a behavior. It wouldn't be so nice if we could just sort of I'm done with that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Write it on a piece of paper, burn it up, you know, let it go. Magic rituals, et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't that be nice? We'll never shift a behavior until we understand, even, even a behavior that seems very self-destructive and no longer serves our, our well-being in any way, until we understand how it has also aided us. How has that behavior, even if it seems crazy-making, ass backwards. How do I keep filling my life up with chaos and all this endless nonsense? Well, on some level, there's a payoff. That's why you keep doing it. And you won't shift it until you also understand, okay, how has this helped me in some way, even if that's really outmoded and out, outlived at this point? Well, I guess the thread to that was the on, ongoing, seemingly endless layers of our self-awareness and self-assessment. The radical simplicity stuff and just being maybe two different tracks here. Something I say again and again and again in coaching and have said multiple times through these various shows, really life is, it is very simple. We make it incredibly complicated with our modern world, but it is very simple. There's just this, there's just this moment. There is nothing else. Our mind is telling us, right, I've got 400 things to do in the next three days and, and all the other things that our mind is telling. But when you boil it down, 
the simplicity, the radical simplicity. There's only this, just this, whatever I'm doing in this moment, how present I am with that or not. <laughs> I'm doing it, but I'm, I'm 17 other places all at once and past conversations and future conversations and looking at my calendar and wow. It's a, but there's only just this, this moment, this endless moment, the endless moment of now. And that's actually radically simple. And with clients and in this podcast, I've offered that just this. You can only be with just this, this moment. That's radical simplicity right there. If we dial the lens out, then it's also, okay, what are those things that I am overcommitted to or feeling obligated to or all these other, or the, the way that I've literally filled my external environment with stuff? I'll make a little detour here. Way back in, way back in early 90s, when I first went to massage college, the beginning of my healing arts journey way back when. And it was a year-long program in Boulder, Colorado. And the first quarter, you learned four different modalities over the year. And in the first quarter, the first modality you learn is something called Shiatsu, which is an Asian form of bodywork done on a mat on the floor. The client is fully clothed. You could loosely think of it as acu acupressure, <laughs> acupuncture with thumbs. So moving your thumbs down, certain, you learn the meridians of the body, these subtle electromagnetic currents that Eastern medicine has used forever in terms of things like acupuncture that in, in that worldview regulate all the systems of the body and they can have too much energy or too less, too, too little, etc. And along with learning the actual bodywork and meridians, and there was a fair amount of sort of Eastern, Eastern medicine theory in that class. And a, a really had an excellent teacher and a really lovely teacher's assistant in that class. And something that the teacher's assistant said one day has stayed with me ever since. And we were talking about balance, balance in the body and balance in meridians and balance in life. And this, the Eastern concept of balance, which we could argue that has been more of an Eastern concept than Western, although things like the yin and yang, that duality of two aspects of a whole, the dark and the light and all that, it's made very effective inroads into the West, this idea of balance. And what she said was in Eastern philosophy, to remain in balance, if something comes in, something must go out. And we had a discussion about that. You know, that, that's certainly true on the body level for health. If something comes in and we're eating or drinking, well, we need to eliminate. If you didn't really quickly, you would be in big trouble and way out of balance. And, but dialing the conversation out to, to larger, sort of our external environment. And it, you know, it stayed with me as a, hmm, that's an interesting idea. And eventually sort of became a guideline for my life and, and much more so even in the last 10 years than early on. But a guiding philosophy that came out of that for me is if something comes in to my household, something must go out. If I buy a new shirt, 
an old one goes out. If I buy a book, an old one goes out. I am not yet a minimalist, although I aspire to be. I, I live with someone who is decidedly not a minimalist. So there's an ongoing compromise, compromise there. But my and, there, and there's not a rule about stuff. But my guideline is that keeping things simple, avoiding clutter, I, I don't know a single person in the world that needs more stuff. Get to holidays at the end, I'll wind that down, but talk about stuff. So this idea of, in a sense, I wouldn't necessarily call that radical simplicity, but this idea, what is balance? And the simpler your life is, arguably, that is more within reach or I have to balance is just a zone you pass through just briefly. It's like a small town in Oregon. You pass through it, you blink and you missed it. Oh, that was balance back there, <laughs> back there. The, all, all of the more, more, more. Definitely not balance. Most of us are very imbalanced, even in terms of the energy that we're giving out to do all of these things. What nourishes? I was said earlier about saying no. To me, the flip side of learning to say no, which I really get is very challenging for a lot of people. I, my adoptive mother died years ago, and obviously she wasn't present at my birth being adopted, but she used to always joke or frequently joke, I think you were born saying no. No has always been one of my very favorite words. I'm very adept with no. I've long been skilled with boundaries. No, no, no. <laughs> However, for 30 years, I've, I've lived with a yes person. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's been its own evolutionary journey. Each of us slowly coming to appreciate more of the other's perspective. For me, learning to say yes, rather than the automatic no, no. Say yes to uncertainty, say yes to willingness, to yes, yes. But before I jump down that little rabbit hole or thread, to me, the flip side of learning to say no to others, to obligation, to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is if you turn the coin around, that's saying yes to yourself, potentially. No to that, yes to me, so that I can rest or I can do something that's more nourishing. What nourishes? So there's a potential paradigm shift right there. What if? in learning or becoming more adept and more skillful at saying no to all of the, the more, the more busyness, the more stuff, the more that That's saying yes, at least to the opportunity to something that's more nourishing for you. Something that refills the well. Many of us are continually, are seeming, seeming that way, continually giving out. I give out a tremendous amount. But I also focus intently on and building a life that nourishes pretty much everything in my life nourishes on that level so that I can continually, <laughs> seems like continually, feels that way sometimes, give out. But there's a sense of balance there. I'm giving out, but something is also coming in, that which nourishes. And not to get too much into the conversation of, of boundaries or, or anything else. But what if in doing less, we can 
be nourishing ourselves to not necessarily to do more, but have that sense then perhaps of a greater sense of vitality, feeling less depleted, a greater sense of resiliency, moving closer to this, what would it mean to thrive? I touched on happiness earlier, so maybe finding my way to that. I've dropped the other thing that I was going to find my way to, of course, but we have largely been sold in our modern, very materialistic culture, this two things, A, that more will get you happiness and that you can buy happiness. And as much as we're chasing more, more things to do, more stuff, more, 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 and learning, this isn't buying me happiness. I'm still not happy. I still feel empty. I still feel whatever, broken, stuck, not whole, et cetera, or just worn out and exhausted. Like parents, I don't know a single parent who's not <laughs> exhausted. And part of that is just the endless saying yes to kids and more activities and all the other things that they're doing, maybe to keep up or whatever else. This, the idea of, of more somehow brings happiness when really that's an internal job. I'm sort of jumping all around today, but I have said in earlier shows, we do this very curious thing, humans, with happiness. We always project it into the future. I'll be happy when dot, dot, dot. I have a family, the house, the white picket fence, the beach house, a million dollars in the bank, whatever it is, this thing, it's always, always in the future. I'll be happy when dot, 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 because our higher brain can conceive of time. Okay, it's not now, I'm not happy now, but I'll be happy when that thing happens. And we have largely overlooked, and there are whole magazines devoted to how to be happy. There's websites and apps, how to, how to be happy. We have almost like swept aside the idea of what is it simply to be content? Or what is, similar question, what is enough? I know. A friend some years ago and some business partners and family were pushing him to expand the business and this and that. And, and he said something I thought was very profound. And he said, I, I know why, you know, yes, of course, I could double my revenue and do, do all that stuff. But what I have is enough. I'm content. And I thought, wow, what a rare thing. What a rare insight. And it is a self-awareness. I have enough. More isn't going to give me more of this. I am content. There have been uh, much of my life I have projected my happiness in the future, like, like almost everybody else, and not even realizing I was doing that, but sort of chasing this, well, I'll be happy when, you know. And yet there have been numerous insights and little flashes, and this is pretty much most of my life now, realizing, okay, I, I don't have that thing and I'm not necessarily feeling happy in this moment. Much of my life, I, I would not have characterized myself as a happy person. And yet, I have had long periods and most, almost my entire existence now. But I'm content. I'm content in this moment, in this quiet moment, this simple, ordinary, mundane moment. I'm content. My needs are met. I have a sense of well-being in my body. It's I have a, a beautiful, nourishing life that I have built through very deliberate choices. And that is the key part here with radical simplicity. 
I'll just wind that up with contentment and move back to choices, the choices we make. What is enough? A very important, arguably, I would argue, a very important question. What is enough? What is it to be content? It's like versus being driven to be happy. I have always saying seemingly, I have said in previous shows and previous, you know, my coaching and whatnot and whatnot and whatnot, that everything is a choice. And even if that's simply how we react to the situation or perceive the situation and respond to the situation. And a life of radical simplicity, just like radical integrity or nourishment does not happen on its own. It doesn't happen of its own accord. And it doesn't happen just with money or privilege, or if I had time, I would have it. Not gonna happen. I know people with lots of money and nothing in their life is nourishing. They have a life of relative ease, but nothing nourishes. And that is the deliberate choice. What nourishes me in this moment? And does that mean I need to say no to something else? To have the yes, something for me. Deliberate choices. We're not good around sacrifice <laughs> or going without back to this world of more, more, more and entitlement and justification. And well, I've earned this and I, I, I boy, that's been a big one for me my whole life, right? Well, we can justify anything pretty much, right? I've definitely earned this, that such and such. We don't like sacrifice. We don't like going without. The, the entitlement and the sort of self-indulgent, self-obsession of the world is just really astounding to me. That's bordering on my personal judgment for the day, but it's that entitlement. I deserve this. I should have this. I'm worth it. Of course you are. Of course you are. But we're not so good with, I can go without that. That actually isn't going to make my life beyond the initial thrill of buying it or whatever, coming home and don't I look so cute wearing this or whatever that is that we've got, isn't this new car amazing? Right? Then it's just on to the next thing. And it's more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. Right? What if radical simplicity, getting simpler, less is more, learning to say no, to focus on that which truly nourishes is actually the golden key to moving closer to being able to thrive to having a sense of wellness to not being depleted by the world what if the holidays are looming and uh, looking at my clock there like i gotta wind this down but i i would just offer and maybe i'll say more about it next week when they're really on our doorstep that it definitely tends, this is a time of excess upon all of us. I, I bowed out of gift giving years ago. So I don't know a single person that needs more stuff. I don't give stuff. I buy presents for my partner and that's it. But yeah, stories and traditions and all that we tend to layer on this and, and the obligations. And here is an opportunity. <laughs> Maybe a challenging one, the holidays. So, you know, again, back to not a time where most of us are willing to go without, well, of course, I'm going to have that slice of pie. And of course, I'm going to have those cookies and everything else. And 
the temptation and indulgences at every corner. But what if here is an opportunity to do less, to make your own tradition, or to bow out of something that doesn't feel like that, that doesn't bring me a great sense of joy. That feels like an obligation. That doesn't feel like a tradition I want to honor anymore. What if? Boy, yeah, I just suddenly had this little flash of uh, the whole future podcast, <laughs> surviving the holidays in, in, with the ability to thrive, the holidays, as I've often put it, making that D-A-Y-S into D-A-Z or Z if you're a Brit, days, the holidays. They don't have to be a days if we're willing to uh, say no and embrace our own traditions, create new traditions, and yeah, what nourishes? What nourishes? Well, just getting started, and I need to wind it down, but as we are rolling in December, my new forthcoming book, first one in a long time, is arriving eminently. The ebook is available as of December 1st, and the print and audio uh, book versions are, are just 10 days away. And you can wear two worlds touch. You can find more information about that on my website. Next show, maybe the book will be out and we'll, I'll dedicate a show to it. You can rate and follow podcasts anywhere you listen to them. This is a video podcast. For those who might be listening to it, you can find the video version on Spotify and the show's dedicated website, radicalbeingpodcast.com. And you can turn on auto downloads and auto notifications on my website. You can sign up for email notifications. So if you prefer to watch the video version, say on the website, you can be notified by email every time a new episode drops, which is bi-weekly on Thursdays. Thanks for joining me. Another episode of Radical Being. A few paradigm shifting things there to consider in today's show, like always. What would radical simplicity look like for you? Be well and be radical. <laughs>